Hello, everyone, and welcome back. If you listen to my Keys to Collaborations episode at the end of October and you said to yourself, okay, it sounds like Emily has drank, drunk, drank, I don't know, an entire pot of coffee, but you secretly liked it, you are going to like the energy in today's episode too because no, I did not drink an entire pot of coffee today or energy drinks. This is just sometimes how it is over here and it's going to be fun and you're going to like it. And sometimes, uh, as I also try to share, it's not so peppy poppy woohoo. Sometimes it's a downright struggle and exhausting. And that is an honest day, week, uh, in the life. It's a roller coaster ride, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today. This episode is going to be the beginning of the answer to questions that I get asked a whole lot. What does an entrepreneur do all day? What on earth do you do all day long in your business? How do you structure your day? How do you stay so organized? And from my friends and family who are not entrepreneurs, I often get asked how I stay on track and know what to do without a boss telling me my mission of the day. Since I have a lot to share on these topics, and I could seriously make about six podcast episodes out of this one, and I probably will, I decided let's start tackling it now and we'll get to the other five when we get to them. So rewinding ever so slightly, in case you're new here, welcome to the She Built This podcast, confetti, confetti, confetti being thrown your way. On this podcast, you get stories from real entrepreneurs, including myself, uh, building their businesses and really owning the driver's seat on the direction that they want to go. You also get practical tips, insights, and hopefully a lot more than you bargained for. I'm the host, Emily Aborn, and I'm a content writer as well as the host of this show and the leader and founder of the She Built This community. As a content writer, I help with the part of the day that so many entrepreneurs dread, and it often takes up way more of their time than it should which is writing or creating their content. So they delegate it to me and then I just tell them, there, there, don't you worry. I'll pull that right off your plate so you don't even have to think about it until I deliver it to you shiny, fresh, and ready to go. It's magical. You can connect with me at emilyaborn.com. All the links to all the socials and all that jazz. I don't know. I just figure y'all like to be somewhere different these days. So there's something for everyone and all that stuff is in the show notes. Okay. Now that we're acquainted, let's get into the topic, shall we? If you listened last week and the week prior, you know that this month on the podcast and in She Built This Land is all about systems. Systems mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And personally, it can instantly make me think of tech tools that inspire eye gouging and mental breakdowns as I struggle to figure them out. But fear not, I am not going to take you into the behind the scenes of a computer motherboard when I talk about systems today because I don't really know the first thing about those things. I was literally the person in the office that would call the IT department and be like, my computer is not working. And they would ask me if it's plugged in and it wasn't. Um, but I am going to approach systems it, when it comes to structuring your day and your week in a way that makes your life easier and gives you back time. We might dance a little bit into the automations, um, but I want to share with you like an important step that you actually have to consider and think about before you're even ready to automate. So without further ado, as I'm known to say, let's blaze forward onto the trail Here's where I'm going to take you today. First, we're going to get into what types of tasks you have as a business owner and what bucket they fall into. 
Then we're going to talk about, okay, knowing those tasks, how do you structure your day and your week in a way that works for you and your unique brain? And third, what are some of the tools out there to make this a whole lot easier for us? I'm going to share with you some strategies I use um, and share how you can adapt them, evaluate them, see if you want to get in on them for yourself. No episode of She Built This would be complete without a little story time. So of course, we're going to start there and I'm going to use that as the gateway in as I share a couple of my recent experiences. This past year, my focuses were on visibility and intention. And one thing that I noticed as I reflect on the year that has gone by was that I sort of hyper hyper focused on visibility and was able to focus way less on intention than I should have. As a result, I was actually spread pretty thin. I was going a lot of places, doing a lot of things, connecting with a lot of people, connecting in all the ways. And I've come to the end of it all or near the end of it all feeling a little bit exhausted. Um, So taking all that in has actually like propelled me into early reflection mode, I think. And I've just been really like, I've actually been reflecting on the year 2022 since back at the beginning of October. And that's kind of when I started diving into just like dreaming and planning and visioning for the new year right then and there. I actually read an awesome tip recently from someone in the She Built This group about how she actually starts her end of year. She treats November, December, and January like a quarter and starts all of her new year planning in November so that when she gets into January, it's like a really seamless transition. And I really like that. Um, I didn't realize that's even what I was doing, but that's sort of just kind of what's happened. So I'm not ready to share my focus for 2023 just yet. We'll get there. We will get there. You will know about it. But I will say that uh, it has got me simplifying. It has got me going in much deeper in the way that I am going to be connecting and the things that I'm going to be focusing on in a way that does not royally drain me because I'm just trying to do it all. And the reason I share this story is because here's the thing, when it comes to creating systems, routines, good work habits, and understanding how you operate best, it takes kind of like, mm, I I would say some some messy middle and a moment of then waking up and being aware, being really honest with yourself, getting clear on like, okay, what do I actually value? Especially if it's, if it's a mismatch between what you've been focusing on and taking a good hard look at everything you're currently doing and then figuring out how you want to refigure the puzzle to look how you want it to. I share this because there's something else I forget often, and maybe you do too. Like, we are entrepreneurs. We get to create this and make this however we want to. So when you're an entrepreneur, you have to remember that you are largely in charge. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose where you're going to give your energy each and every day. There's no one sitting there telling us when you need to clock in, when you need to clock out, do this, do that. So with that comes a lot of freedom and a lot of possibility, especially if you're someone like me who has a hard time working for somebody else. And it also comes with a lot of responsibility and a lot of accountability to yourself. You have to look after yourself and always remember and be aware that if you're unhappy or exhausted or things feel downright frustrating, it's up to you to make some shifts to make it better. 
to the awareness and the self-honesty. So that's sort of like what really brought me to today's topic. Um, I recently read a book called Space Maker by Daniel C., who he's actually going to be a guest on the show at the end of the month. And Daniel talks about putting in your yearly vacations, any like little mini breaks that you plan to take, your events and other what, what I would refer to as like really the rocks of your life, you know, like these big foundational pieces, the big, big stuff before you add in the rest. Because this way, you know that when, if you want to launch, say, your small group program, for example, my Marketing Momentum Lab, which I plan to kick off in early 2023, you don't keep on making excuses for why you can't do it now or trying to squeeze it in here, trying to squeeze it in here. And when you get those eight new client inquiries right before your family comes to town for a week at the beach, you know that you have to push out their kickoff meetings until the week after or maybe even the week after that, right? You It gives you this, this big picture so that you know like, okay, when do I need to amp up my marketing? When am I gonna take my foot off the gas so I can take a break? And you get to add in recovery time after the big stuff so you don't feel like it's just constant go, 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 go. After reading the book, I sat down and really thought through my own coming year. And I started planning out these rocks, putting in the things I I know are always going to be there as far as like things for my family, dedicated time that Jason and I really want to get away in the coming year. And all the events I'm planning for She Built This and my content writing business, boom, those are my rocks. Then, and of course, like a little vacation or break for myself at a time that I might need some recovery time. Then I was also talking to a friend um, about just like how I structure my weeks. And because her answer was so different than mine, um, it gave me even more to reflect on. And then I was like, I have to do this episode. So her answer, the book, my recent realizations, that is why we are here today. Thank you for gathering. So let's start about the uh, talking about the categories into which like your tasks and responsibilities as an entrepreneur fall into. There are probably going to be some I missed because I just don't know the ins and outs of your unique business. But as a generalization, there is the what of you of what you do. So for you, this might look like working with your clients one to one. It might be like actively designing something or writing something, doing, producing, making, coaching your clients. Um, that's your what. Then there's also the like, how do you get those clients to work with you? The marketing, the networking, the lead generation, making connections, meeting with potential clients, following up with leads, networking, following up with networking connections, writing your marketing emails, your blogs, your website copy, any content really, um, and all that other like behind the scenes marketing stuff that you need to do. So the how is really going to fall into like your marketing, advertising, lead generation, that kind of bucket. So that's two categories. The third category is the admin piece, the financial piece and accounting, your systems, your paperwork, connecting your stupid Square or PayPal account to the back end of your website, invoicing your clients, paying your bills and expenses, uh, tracking things like your mileage. Um, You might also be editing a podcast, publishing a podcast, confirming dates and times with people. Like I'm sure you're going to think of tons more in the admin piece, but those are examples of admin tasks. And then lastly and fourthly, uh, there's CEO time, which are 
really the things that we do in our businesses that are like the planning and the visioning and the strategizing, the goal setting, the mapping, the brainstorming. It's like that high level stuff that really only you as the CEO can do. And you got to do it because if you want to be proactive in growing your business and solving problems, CEO time is when you are really an active participant in choosing your direction forward. Now, I did a episode on how to have a CEO day, also how to have a collaborative CEO day. I will make sure that those links are in the show notes and I encourage you to check those out. If you have never implemented a CEO day in your business, or maybe you even need a CEO hour, (laughs) um, that podcast is a good place to start and I'll be building on that more in the coming year. So I might have missed some categories. Like I said, But I know for sure that you will have tasks that at least fall into those four buckets. And here's something I know for myself, um, and this is something for you to ask yourself about yourself as well. But if I am focusing on admin stuff, I need to only focus on admin stuff. If I am writing and creating content and marketing pieces, I need to only do that. I most definitely have to like fully focus on my client work when I'm doing client work because they need to get the quality and attention that they deserve and they're paying me for. And I also need dedicated CEO time because realistically what happens to me is that all of these seep over into each other just a little bit, right? But when I'm flooded with ideas, I can't just jump right into admin and implementing the idea immediately because Typically, that means I'm procrastinating or abandoning other important tasks, or I'm creating more work for myself in the long run because I didn't take time to plan and map it out, or uh, you also can end up overfilling your plate because you didn't actually have time to fit this in, and you just got this idea and decided to try to fit it in. So the truth is, all of these categories do have a little bit of crossover, but I would ask you, are you the kind of person who needs more delineation in these tasks or less? Like how comfortable are you with them all sort of um crossing over. If your brain is like, yes, Sally, we love more. I'm Emily, but say your name, Sally. Yes, Sally, we would love more of a boundary between that admin time and the idea generating time. I'll share what works for me to do that. Um, Three things. So first, I put a specific type of work on specific days of the week. I have three days only focused to client work with really long chunks of time dedicated to the projects I'm working on for my clients. So like often with my clients, I have to do a lot of research before getting started. I need time to get into their character or their voice and I can't just dive in easily. It, it, it depends, but um, that's typically the case. So depending on the project, I might sit down for four straight hours and work on just one person stuff nonstop. I mean, I get up to go pee, but for the most part, it's nonstop. On my client work days, I can't take other appointments or meetings, not even for clients. It's work time and work time only. Now, if I do have a lighter client load or I don't have something to fill all of those hours on one of those days, I either add in a time block for my own tasks that I need to focus on for my business, or maybe I take off and do something a little bit fun, like go on a hike with my dog. Um, And I also have to have networking calls on a specific day, as well as a day focused on my more high-level CEO kind of planning stuff. I have a caveat to all this, which I'll share in a bit, and remember... I'm only sharing what works for me. 
Number two, I time block. No matter what my day's focus is, I plan ahead and I give myself two hours for X, two hours for Y, an hour for Z. And as much as possible, I try to stick to those time blocks. Keeping in mind that some tasks have not just the task, right, but they have follow-up or they have prep work. Um, So you have to put that into your time blocks as well. Sometimes what happens in my time blocks is I do get really inspired. I get on a roll and it makes it so that, you know, I'm I'm working hard for Lisa or Tanya or Betty and I just have to keep on going with their stuff. So then I move whatever was going to be in the time block after theirs for the next day or I can kind of swap out. But having time blocks for me makes my calendar be able to work like that. So I can kind of move tasks around because they've already been booked the time for them has already been booked out. Lastly, I also use a brain dump sheet. This is kind of like an ongoing uh it's just an ongoing dump basically that helps me keep all my thoughts and my to-dos and all those exciting CEO CEO ideas from getting lost or 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 getting never implemented. Um, so my brain dump sheet is categorized, and this also is just something that works for me. But if you have one, you might find that it's helpful to not just have this list of like long tasks and things that are are all disorganized, but you could categorize it. So I categorize mine as client work, uh, my Emily Aborn consulting business, she built this, and personal. So for example, if I'm thinking to myself, oh, I need to schedule a haircut before Christmas or call back that therapist I was going to look into while let's say I'm writing website copy for a client, I just put it on my brain dump document so I can come back to it and add it to a daily to-do list when it fits. This keeps me from getting distracted and going down rabbit holes because personally, I know myself and if I call my hairdresser to book an appointment while I'm working on client tasks, I will be shopping on Ann Taylor for Christmas outfits half an hour later and then I will have completely shifted out of client work. So now my caveat, (laughs) this is not by any means a perfect science. Um, Things happen all the time where I have to shift the day that I'm focusing on and what I'm focusing on. But I will share that as of now, this is how I've structured my weeks. And I'm going to share how that's going to change in the coming year. So Mondays, I do half a day of admin and half a day of client projects. Tuesdays, I do all day client projects. Wednesdays are all my calls, all my networking, all things, pretty much all things she built this and this podcast, either with guests or recording my episodes. Thursdays, all day focused on clients. And then Friday, um, typically it's anything that is focused on my business, also CEO days. And then sometimes I use it as my get out and actually like do things in the world with other people day. What you should know about me also is that I pretty much end up working either one day a weekend or at least four to five hours on a weekend. That is now. That will hopefully be changing in the future as I refine my systems. But for now, it's been okay. You know, like this is the other thing we have to remember is our businesses have seasons. So when you look at somebody that says, oh, I only work 20 hours a week, remember they might not be in the same season as you. Totally not fair to compare yourself to that. You might have to work a few nights or a few weekends. I also don't have children. And so the way I've structured my work week, 
the long periods of work time, I'm able to structure it in a really predictable, dependable way, which gives me more freedom and more fun and flexibility outside of those times to put in the social stuff or the fun stuff. Um, Keep in mind, I also work really, I always say I'm an afternoon person. Like my most creative time is from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Some people work better at night. Some people work better in the day. Some people work better flying by the seat of their pants every day of every week. But I work better when my brain can be really comfortable knowing what is expected of it. Some people I know say that they have to wait to be creatively inspired before they get started, and that is totally fine. I tend to have a stream of inspiration. I just need to figure out where to channel it every day. So priming my brain by like giving it specific tasks, it actually like helps increase the creativity because I can really get into things. I've also heard people share with me that, you know, if they did what I did with like six calls in one day, they would be exhausted and on the floor by the end of it. And honestly, it is tiring, but I also know about myself that if I try to break up those calls and have calls every day of the week or even two or three days of the week, it's absolutely more draining to me because I'm constantly asking my brain to shift gears where if I just have a day designated to calls and other specific things, I can keep that engine in fourth gear all day long and it's just far more stable energetically. In the coming year, I also plan to add in more buffer times and I might even add in one week a month where nothing is in the calendar because I know myself and I'm notorious for packing a day and a month so full I barely have time to pee in between calls. I'm facing down a completely overbooked calendar month after month and I need need time to catch up and plan and get ahead. So I'm considering doing that in the um, coming year as well. And that would include, you know, those designated days for client work, but it would just give me some, some time to breathe a little bit and do some of that higher level planning. So how can you apply this for yourself? Um, Let me tell you how... How I started figuring out what a week, what a day should look like, what a week should look like. I started by tracking my time and I just did it in a notebook. Um, I tracked every single task I did by writing it down, every single thing that I did every single day for a week straight. And I mean everything. Like if I went to the bathroom, if I answered emails, if I scrolled aimlessly on social media, if I voxered a friend, If I took a break to go walk in the woods with my dog, I wrote it all down by the minute so that I was able to see A, like time leaks that I wanted, time leaks that I didn't want, and I could see patterns about like how I was spending my time, which ones felt good and which ones didn't, um, and really get clear on like what I actually want to be spending my time doing. (laughs) So if you do this for a week... I I can't, of course, guarantee anything, but I can all but promise that it'll be really eye-opening to show you where your gaps are, where you're procrastinating or not doing anything at all, and maybe where you're interrupting yourself unnecessarily, and it'll probably bring you some revelations. So that brings me to like, okay, well, what do I do now that I have this data, Emily? Here's what you do. You get very honest with yourself about how long things really take. Like how many of us have sat down for five minutes to write a simple email and two hours later, 
you're still working on that email and you have yet to hit send. Um, maybe you discovered that you're actually spending 50% of your time on calls, but you're not really getting much out of those calls. Or you're spending 50% of your time on marketing, but your marketing isn't working. So how can you structure your day that allows your brain to perform its best, that is putting your time in the things that your business needs of you and also giving yourself time to love what you're doing. I would challenge you to say like, does it feel better to me to have long periods of time to work on something? Do I need a chance to get into a project and stretch out my legs? Or do I work better with a squeeze, a tight deadline, like a looming due date? Do you like to structure your days with lots of flexibility because you really work best when lightning strikes and you feel inspired? Or maybe you need to keep things mixed up and fresh and like every week kind of try something new. Um, if you like things to be different and new every day or even every hour, the something like the Pomodoro method or short work sprints when you're switching task types more often might be better for you. It's time to look at that um, time inventory and really ask yourself what works for you. Okay. Uh, briefly, I am not an expert in this, but I do want to talk about a couple tools to make your life easier. So just some things, some revelations, let's say I've had in this past year. Um, first, did you know that there are five main types of people who adopt new ideas and technologies? I learned this back in like sociology 101 in like 2005. And then I looked it up again for a quick refresh. Um, so apologies for any misquotes, especially if you know this framework inside and out. But I also think this applies to your clients and customers um, and, and how long it takes them to say yes and how they say yes. So first of all, there are innovators. These are the folks who readily adopt new technologies and ideas, and they're first to dive into a new tool or tech, even if it seems a little risky. This is only like about 2% of people who, who purchase or implement a new tool. Then we have the early adopters. These people like to try things. They like to form opinions, review things, and they are often the ones that get the credit for being a trendsetter. They're the ones that are acknowledged. Even if an innovator might have done it first, the early adopters get the credit for discovering it and making it popular. After the early adopters come the early majority. Now, if an idea or other innovation meets someone in the early majority, it has probably already been adopted, but they're going to make it adopted more. Uh, the adoption will be like more widespread. And this is the group that really bases their decisions on utility and practical benefits. They don't really care about being trendsetters, about being cool. Then there's the late majority. These people um, share some of the traits with the early majority, but they're a little more cautious before committing and they might need some handholding as they adopt. And then there's the laggards. This group is just very slow to adopt new ideas and technology. They actually tend to only adopt when they are forced to or because everybody else has. And I was trying to think of a good example of this just in action. I was thinking of kind of like how the library went from like that old fashioned card catalog system where you have to like, you know, move note cards from front to back to find the book you were looking for and what shelf it was on to like the computer systems and who knows what they even have now. But 
anyway, how you identify is usually how you also approach certain systems, tools, automations, ideas. I am somewhere between that early and late majority, but it's not because I want to be cool. I mostly feel like I'm late to the party when it comes to new tools because I always just think, oh, well, I can do it myself or I don't need that yet. Or you have to convince me that I can, I should spend the money on that subscription. Now, first of all, I didn't have a lot of automation needs for my business in the first place, but this year I have noticed that as my business has increased quite a bit, um, and I also want to really improve my client experience, I needed to get some better systems in place and and have some more ease. So one that I was really hesitant with, which is so silly, is an automated calendar. Um, I was just going back and forth with people over email. Does this date work? Does this time work? Does this date work? Does this time work? And finally, I gave myself a calendar link and people can just book themselves on my calendar. It's magical. I don't know why I waited so long. It even generates a Zoom link. So I'm not sitting there like manually generating Zoom links. Um. And you guys are like, oh my God, Emily, we've had a calendar link like since the beginning. And I know this, this is what I'm saying. I'm I'm late to the game. Um, My guest next week, Lisa Zarotny and I, we're going to get into this more when it comes to task management softwares and project management tools. And sometimes they're the same thing. Uh, but uh, what I can share with you today before you dive into a new tool or automation software, ask yourself two important questions. A, what problem am I trying to solve? B, do I have the steps involved already mapped out? Here's what I mean. A fancy planner, project management software, spreadsheet, automation, scheduling tool, it's not solving all your problems. First, you need to A, know what the problem is that you're trying to solve, and then you have to manually map out the steps. You have to know the steps before starting to use the tool. For example, automating my calendar has been great, but it's only helpful because I set up the steps beforehand. Um, currently, there's no application to be a guest on the Sheet Built This podcast. Because of how I have mapped out my content for the coming year, I'm booking guests only made through a personal introduction, and I am inviting them to be on my show. So when I ask someone to be a guest, the process is this. Number one, they have to fill out my guest questionnaire. That gives me all their info, their bio, their headshot, their social media links, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the information I need to collect from them and it saves us from going back and forth over email, which is just a recipe for lost pieces and me having to chase them down for everything I need and I'm missing. After they get that complete, then they get a link to book their episode with all the recording details, microphone, quiet room, headphones, et cetera, and the link to actually show up to the episode. And I know that a lot of my guests forget all of that stuff. So I will prep them about a week ahead of time with the questions, a reminder of all of the recording details, that link again, and it just prepares them even more for our time together. I also know that these interviews, because I do them on certain days and certain times of the week, some people are going to need accommodations and it's going to have to step outside of my automated system. But it's a boundary I have in place that allows me to make that decision when that comes. I'm not going to bore you with all of it, but my point is before setting up the calendar system, I had to think through all these steps. Like, what does it actually look like for a guest to be on my podcast? What is that journey? What kind of experience do I want them to have on the other side? If I'm always sending out the exact same emails and the exact same information, why not just put them all into a system 
where it sends the same thing every single time. So that's kind of what I mean. And it's the same with my client process. I had a total of five tools for onboarding my clients. A payment tool, a booking tool, a Zoom for actually getting on the call, Google Docs, uh, and Eversign for contracts. And I was able to whittle all of those tools down to just one using HoneyBook, which thus far I'm loving. It's beautiful. It's already saved me time and money uh, because I was able to consolidate like five tools down to one and it looks far more professional. So I can really be sure that all of my clients are getting the same experience. But before I just sat down and started automating my heart out, I had to spend a lot of time thinking about my client process, refining it, looking at like, okay, what's the same with every client? What's different? And then I watched as several clients poked holes in my existing process and I had to go back to the drawing board and think through, okay, how do I deliver these certain things and rethink this part of it? So that's that's my whole point here. I want you to think of that too. Sometimes the flashiest tools, they have all these features and things that you'll never use and you don't actually need the flashiest thing. And sometimes these flashy tools aren't even solving the actual problem you're trying to solve. So no matter how fancy it is, just remember like there's always going to be an element of you actually needing to put on that CEO time, that CEO brain, mapping it all out and looking at how you really want to implement it. Sometimes you can delegate the setup and the implementing and that's fantastic. But And I will say once it's in place, it takes a lot of those admin tasks off your plate, especially admin and and for other automation tools, especially like the marketing stuff. But automation doesn't fix all your problems. It's not for everyone. Like not everyone is even at this point in their business where they need to start considering it yet. If you're still searching for your next client, focus on attracting clients. If you're still struggling to figure out your messaging, focus on your messaging. I find a lot of changes happen when we first start working with clients to when we are so busy that we need automation. And it's worth it to take your time during that phase, experiment with what works, work your process before taking on every tech and tool that comes your way. Because automation does not solve all your problems in your business. It is super awesome, uh, but you still need to be productive and you need to think of how what that looks like for you. You still need to do the work basically. <laughs> you need to be the one who's there um, providing that excellent customer service and delivering on your word and and running your business. Um, now the other thing is there might be some little things that you can use in the meantime as you learn this process. Like you might find a spreadsheet or a simple Google Doc is actually what you need right now to accomplish certain tasks. Or you might need the Trello board or the Asana board to keep you on track. But some people like a simple notebook and a brain dump document does the trick. I know that some people love planners. I want to love planners so bad, but I just have not found one that works for my brain. And until I create my own, which is, it's on my brain dump list, people. Um, I have other systems in place to keep me on track. So we're gonna get into all that, like I said, next week with my guest Lisa. But I do want you to remember this. Whatever systems you put in place, whatever tools you choose, the goal is to amplify the work you're doing. So... You want to make your life easier and you want to make your work uh, more impactful. You want to make the impactful work you're doing 
more impactful. Um, and of course, you know, with this, the partner or twin sister of automation for many of us and for many of you is delegation. So when you are looking at that long list of things that you do in a week, the time that you're spending on different tasks, are there things that you can hand off to somebody else? What can you delegate? And Furthermore, I'm going to challenge you one step further. What can you just take off your list completely and let go of? Like, I know we hear this all the time, but I mean it, okay? What can you move either to another time or take off your list once and for all? And then there's another category. What can you do in two minutes or less that you could literally do right after this episode is done? I wouldn't ask you to do this exercise if I hadn't done it myself. So when I was planning my outline, I sat down and looked at my own list and I said, oh, I can move this one way down later on my list. It was create a brand messaging guide for my Emily Aborn content writing business. And like, honestly, I don't need a brand messaging guide. I'm the only one who writes my content. So I just don't need it now. So that gets moved way down to the list. Maybe it even gets off the list. And then back in September... I was waiting on some pieces for my marketing momentum lab. I was going to kick off at the end of September, but everything was sort of taking a little bit longer than expected. And I had some issues with my website. So I moved that to October. And then as I got thinking about it even more, I actually ended up moving marketing momentum lab to the new year because October just wasn't the right time. So that got moved to the beginning of 2023 and it feels great. And lastly, I'm working on a collaboration I'll share soon for She Built This with somebody that was feeling really extremely tight, pressured, slopped together, crammed into the end of the year and uh, just zapping me when I thought about it. So I moved that to the new year as well. So what can you let go of? What can you give a cushier deadline to? What can you delegate? What can you do right now that takes two minutes or less? Um, Okay, that about wraps me up. Uh, But this is just a reminder to look at how you're spending your time. Look at how you spent your time this past year and get really honest with yourself about whether or not that worked for you. Consider whether or not structuring your weeks, your months, maybe even a year as a big picture with those rocks of your time is beneficial for you? And does it give your brain that break and that time that it needs to be at its best? Do you need to focus on one bucket of tasks at a time? Um, And then I also just wanted to encourage you with things to remember before you jump into the planner, the system, the automation tool, etc. And that was really all I came here to say. I know it was a lot. To wrap up, I want to share uh, more ideas I have for you around this topic that I'm going to get into in the coming year. We're going to talk about routines, how to create one and stick to one, Um, content management ideas, how to organize it and structure it for a little more ease, as well as like how to repurpose a lot of your content easily and effortlessly and how My desire is for people to create one piece of content per week and have it take them miles and miles and miles. So with that, I want to know what else you struggle with and what else you want to know about in the area of time management, task management, daily management of your work. Where do you want me to bring in a guest or share more of my own behind the scenes and systems on? And if you do want to talk to somebody specifically 
have brainstorming around your own systems, especially when it comes to content, I have a strategy called Designed to Help You With Things Just Like This. It's really going to be a chance to pick my brain with a specific challenge or issue that you're facing and get focused time to concentrate on it with an action plan for your next steps. So if you felt sort of like, ooh, I would love to get her eyeballs on what I'm currently doing and see how I can make it better, for both of these things, podcast ideas and strategy session, you can email me at emily at emilyaborn.com, vox me, text me if that's how we connect, connect on social media, send a messenger pigeon, whatever you got to do. Send a raven. Um, I love hearing your thoughts. Okay. And last but not least, if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, it's not too late to join us for tomorrow's She Built This Workshop with Amy Perez, Starbucks Doesn't Sell Coffee, How to Win and Retain Customers in the Experience Economy. We're going to be talking about systems and your how it relates to your customer experience. So that is on Thursday, November 17th from 12 to 1.30 Eastern time, and it's 15 bucks to join if you are part of the general public. She Built This VIP members get it at no additional cost. So if you are listening to this on Wednesday the 16th and you're like, yes, please, I would like to get in on this, contact me, um, emilyaborn.com, shebuiltthis.org. I'll get you there. I'll get you there. And real quick, I wanted to share with you what we are going in what we are going into the end of the year with as far as episodes. Like I said, we have Lisa Zerotny of Positively Productive Systems. She's going to be coming on to talk about these tools and these systems and get a little more in depth as well as how to just simplify our lives as entrepreneurs on the whole. And then I am so excited to have Daniel C., author of Space Maker and his new book, Raising Humans, coming on to share about uh, tech, tech distractions, what they're doing to us, how to reduce some of the noise of technology, even as busy entrepreneurs, yes, and help your kids in that area as well. And he also shares how he builds in daily, weekly, monthly, yearly sabbaticals from technology and his thoughts on community both online and off. And then from there, we shall sail into December with ideas to increase your visibility and possibility and abundance in 2023. I personally am taking two full weeks off in December, if you can believe that. I will be MIA December 15th onward until the new year. You guys, this is my first two weeks of my entire life taking time off. <laughs> I don't think I've ever taken time off to this extent, maybe probably not even a full week, um, maybe in college during Christmas break. But even then, I'm fairly certain that I picked up odd jobs when I was home to like keep me busy. So with that uh, time I'm taking this year, one of my focuses is really going to be to design a 2023. This will be my fourth full year with the podcast. So I want to design a podcast experience for you that's going to provide you with deeper conversations, higher value, and get you more of what you really want to hear. So if there is something that you are dying to know about, if you're dying to know about me or a guest you really want to hear from or a topic you want some light shed on, let me know and I will add it to my list of considerations and contemplations. And with that, I'm pretty sure I'm losing my voice now because I've been batch recording these as part of my content creation time. I wish you a happy rest of your week. And as always, you know where to find me. 
To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.